again, we find this every so often in Scripture, in the New Testament, because every time Jesus had a chance to communicate with his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, he didn't miss out. He was there. If you're not associating with people in the church, you're missing out. There's an analogy if you built a huge bonfire, and the bonfire represented the church. And you know how you get like, uh, we, we, used to call it, we used to call it the devil's kitchen. The really, really hot part of the fire, you know, when the, when the wood starts to glow some kind of weird bluish green, really, really hot. If you take one of those coals out with, a, with tongs, do not touch fire, okay? With tongs, and you put it over here away from the fire, you can hand touch that coal within probably five minutes. You separate yourself from the fire. You separate yourself from not attending, not being connected, not being in a connect group. You are going to go cold. And then you're going to, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, then they're angry at God. Hey God, I'm not going to go to church today because I'd rather do this. And you put yourself over here. And then you go through life and you say, God, why are you not answering me? Why are you not talking to me? He said, where have you been? <laughs> I didn't move. It's like the, the old farmer and the wife. And they're driving down the country road. And, he said, and, the, and the guy's driving and he, he says, he said, you used to sit beside me. And she said, well, we're too old to do that anymore. And he, talk, he talks about, he said, the steering wheel hasn't changed positions. I'm still in the same place. And she's moved farther over. It's just like that with the church family, the church body. You, you separate yourself. The light goes out. What was he doing in church? What was he doing in the synagogue? He was teaching. Whenever he could, Jesus gave himself, whether it be one-on-one -on -one to a group of people, he gave himself to others so that they would understand and grasp the concepts that he was saying. He was saying concepts that were brand new. Brand new. Brand new. Brand new. We have to understand that Jesus was talking about things these people had never heard of, and that's why they were so intrigued, so amazed, so... If I told you how much fun it is, if you've never done this, to hit a golf ball with a baseball bat... Don't do it in a residential area. If I told you how fun it is to hit excuse me, a golf ball with a metal bat and you've never done it, go to the country and do it. It goes a long way. It's cool. But it's a concept that they'd never, they'd never seen. They've never heard. They've never, they've never touched. They've never seen anybody come with this kind of power and knowledge. At Connection, we seek to do the same type of thing. We don't go to a synagogue, but we go to a church. Talked to a lady this week. She goes, she walked in where I work, and she said, I know you. I go, I don't know you. <laughs> she goes, oh, I've been to Connection, like, once. And I said, oh. <laughs> it's really hard for me to remember somebody that came one time out of 260 Sundays. But she said, I was there. You were, you were the worship leader there. I said, Okay. What, what Connection is doing. See, we, those people that come and they're affected by some of you in this church, we're different. We seek, we have physically and spiritually sought to change our spiritual DNA. 
If you take a good look at yourself, and if you have been into the fire of the church, and you have been giving yourself, you are not the same person that you were when you started coming here. If you aren't, maybe you're over, maybe you need to get a little bit, you snuggle a little closer to the fire, and let God affect. Let God transform you. At Connection, we do this thing called mentoring. Jesus gave himself. There's people in this church that meet with people 45 minutes a week. Some of them have been meeting for over two years. But we, we seek to give ourselves so that those people will be raised up in the church and affect others. And they'll affect others. And they'll affect others. And they'll affect this town. I, I personally, I'm not, this is not a bragging thing. I meet with somebody that doesn't even go to this church. And I, and I, said, I said, man, what I, what I would love to see is you to take whatever God's given you in this, go back to your church and just light it up. Just light it on fire. Get it caught. Get it contagious. He knows there is something different about people that get involved. There's something different. He was giving people, Jesus was giving people around him the opportunity to learn how to impact others with the love of God. They were absolutely amazed. They were amazed. In the middle of verse 2, many who heard him were amazed. How do you know this? Nobody's ever taught like this. You mean we don't have to kill animals to sacrifice anymore? You, you are going to be the sacrifice? I can have a, you're going to forgive me of my sin? Never heard of this. Okay, they're building the brand new hospital. Almost done. If somebody like David Copperfield came over here and he said, hey, come out here, I'm going to make it all disappear. And he did it, you would be amazed. I'm, ta- I'm not telling son that to be silly. I'm saying it's that type of crazy, out in left field teaching that, that Jesus has given these people. It says they were amazed because they had never encountered someone with the knowledge that he had. They were blown away at the gifts that he had and the power he had to do miracles. We read in some of the scripture that many, 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 many people would just follow him. He was like a, some people thought he was like a traveling carnival thing. Hey, watch this. Jesus is going to do something cool if you watch him long enough. Yet they didn't get it. He, he goes, I'm doing these things so you do, you will understand who I am. Can you imagine being on that boat with the disciples and Jesus is sleeping? Hey, he's sleeping through this. I don't know. It would take a pretty heavy sleeper. I don't think Jesus was a heavy sleeper necessarily. I think, this is what I think. (laughs) He's like, guys, I'm going to take a nap. Because he had no worries. The storm didn't bother him. He knew that he had the power. And when he got up in the top of the boat, and he said, you stop, and you stop. It's the first time in Scripture that we see somebody have power over nature. There have been people in Scripture that have power to heal or power to, uh, to comfort or, or whatever. But this is the first time that we see in Mark's Gospel, the first time that Jesus has power over his... The, he has power over the creation. Shocker, the Creator has power over what He created. That's what He was trying to get out to these people. Verse 3. Then they scoffed. We're stopping here. I'm going to tell you and, and show you what scoffing is. How many of you have or had, have now or had in the past, children that were of the ages of, let's say, 4 to 25? 
How many people have ever had children that age? Okay, all the rest of you didn't raise your hand. How many of you have ever been that age? Okay, everybody in the room should raise their hand. Okay, now, here's what scoffing is. My number one, you can ask my wife, the number one thing on planet Earth that I despise doing around the house, but I do it anyway, is hand-washing dishes. My mom and dad were so rich. When I was living at my house, before I turned 18, before I went to college, we had two dishwashers, me and my sister. I'm not joking. She will tell you that we had a list of stuff to do in the summertime. We went to the pool in the afternoon at the city pool to to swim. But before we went, we had stuff to do. Laundry, clean the bathroom. My my number one thing is just to hand wash dishes. I remember I'd be playing, uh, this is going to date me a little bit, playing my original gray box Nintendo. Now, by the way, we, got, we were so rich, we got about five years after everybody else did. But <laughs> I was playing this, I was playing it, and I hear my mom, Matthew, I need you to do the dishes. You ready? Gosh! How many of you are a fan of people rolling your eyes at you? You're a fan of that? <laughs> that is not okay at our house. And I, now, I'm, now I'm understanding. Maybe I'm reaping. <laughs> but I say, Emma, can you come and we're going to eat? Or can you go clean your room? And it's, it's ah, I don't want to. I'm ringing a bell with you people. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that. What's the point? This, this word scoff, we're going to talk about a little bit later. But, but they said, they said, yeah, right. Yeah, right. In verse 2, he, he ends and he says, he said, where he did all this wisdom and power, I'm sorry, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Where did he get it? He's from here. He's been gone, but he came back and now he can do all this cool stuff. Okay? It's like, he just came back and he was a completely different person. When he came back, his ministry was going. So he was trying to let these people know who he was. So he tells them, and they go, (laughs) yeah, right. No way. We know where you're from. We know your family. Hmm. Says they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. That is not Judas Iscariot, by the way. And his sisters live right here among us. That, that, that's, a, that's another scripture for a whole other topic, but that Jesus was not an only child. That says that. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Now they, th- now they go from, yeah, right, to, you're lying to us. You're engaging in some type of witchcraft, sorcery, some kind of mumbo-jumbo, that you can do all this stuff now. Like, Jesus, you went to this, some kind of awesome medical college, and you're coming back, and you're using terms that we don't even understand. Yeah, right. We know where you came from. We can take it to your house. We know where you came from. You cannot possibly know all this stuff. First part of the verse, then they scoffed. They rolled their eyes like a teenager. Jesus, you have some type of trick that you're doing. You're, 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 you're just doing something different. 
When these people scoffed, what they were doing was trying to justify their opinion about Jesus, who Jesus was. Here's the deal. If, you, if they let Jesus affect them, it's going to incorporate a word that we still don't like today that starts with a C, and it's called change. We'll deal with that in a little bit. But these people were justifying and saying, no, we could take you to your house. I know where you came from. I know where you live. I know this sister and that sister and this brother and this brother. I know your mom. I know your dad. Hmm. It goes on to say that they were deeply offended and they refused to believe in him. And it was as if Jesus was trying to just make a mockery of them. Like, Jesus, you're trying to pull one over on us. They said, Jesus is a carpenter. He works with his hands. Now he's running around telling everybody he's a rabbi. Jesus is a man's man. Mike talked about that last week. I believe it would be very, very, a very good educated guess to say Jesus would probably not be someone that you would want to get in an arm wrestling contest with. I like to consider myself a pretty big guy. We had a guy, I got, I got, uh, <laughs> I got, I got dwarfed earlier this week at work. A guy, guy came in and he goes, <laughs> you got any shoes that'll fit me? And I'm like, dang, I don't know what size you wear. He goes, 18. I'm like, whoa, I thought 14 was big. Nope. But I remember I, I, I was, I was in college and it was in the summertime and I, I went to a church camp. And there's, there's, this, there's this guy walking around. I don't know, I don't know if you know him. Uh, his last name's Minnick. I, mean, I won't say anything else. But, but Orrin Minnick was a little guy. And he, he played the piano. He led worship. But he was a little guy in stature than I was. And I was 20 years old. I was playing college baseball. I was in really good shape. And he comes up to me. And he goes, hey, you want to arm wrestle? <laughs> I said, sure, dude. <laughs> and I'm thinking to my head. I said, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to teach this guy. I'm 20. He's like 45. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do work on this guy. And I grab his hand like this. I said, whenever you're ready, dude. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to beat him as fast as I can. I'm going to put his hand through the table. I'm just going to be bang over the top. Sylvester Stallone. Wham. And I remember, (laughs) this is not a good feeling, by the way, because if you've ever done this, you understand. But I went like this. And he said, he said, on your mark, set, go. And I went, (laughs) I wasn't moving him an inch and he looks at me and he gets this little uh, the Grinch (laughs) smiles like (laughs) and I watched my hand go down and I'm going oh and then I was like this for the rest of the day not until afterward did I find out that Mr. Minnick had hung drywall for 25 years Hi, that's strong here, 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 and here. Don't arm wrestle him. I, if he walked in today, I would not arm wrestle him. Because I don't want him to get embarrassed again in front of everyone. But Jesus is a strong guy. How do you go from being a carpenter using your hands like Bob Vila, and now you're some type of holier-than-thou teacher that has all these new teachings, why should we believe you? The very next point in that verse is when, is, when, is when Mary's brought up, the son of Mary. We have to remember that these are the same people that he's with in Nazareth. Now watch, 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 watch. He's going back to Nazareth. Jesus was the firstborn. 
Joseph and Mary were not intimate. Jesus was a miracle from God. These are some of the same people that, that said, Jesus, why should we believe you when your mom and dad had sex and they, just, and they said it was a miracle from God? These are the same people that grew up with them the whole time. Same town. Okay, we're all from a pretty small town probably. If you're not from Mount Vernon, my town has, I don't know, 1,800 people, uh, two stoplights, a couple gas stations, and DiMaggio's Pizza. <laughs> you know those people in your town. They said, yeah, why should we believe you? Your mom and dad tried to pull one over on us 30 years ago, Jesus. Like, you, like seriously, Mary can get pregnant without being intimate with her husband. Really? You would be the only one on planet earth ever, Jesus. The same people. Same people that are scoffing at Jesus, the Son of God, are now introducing with Mary because that brings that up. With this opinion stated, the Bible says that they refuse to believe. I'll tell you what refused means. Coming out of the Greek language, interpreted that way. It literally means, that's where we get our word scandal. It literally means to fall away or to be repelled. Repelled. Do you know what repel is? Repel is a bug spray to repel mosquitoes away from you. Thus the name, why they, why they use it. They were literally repelled by Jesus saying this to them. So in very literal translation, these people are detested by what Jesus is saying. You're lying to us, Jesus. We're not going to listen anymore. Look on your message map. Choosing to not choose is to choose. They were choosing they were choosing. They said, ah, we're not going to take you for what you're saying you are, Jesus. But listen, listen to me. <laughs> when you choose to not choose, you have already chosen. Am I get that? When you choose not to choose, you've already chosen. You can't just get away from this. By not choosing to listen to Jesus' teaching, the people chose to repel his teaching. In my notes, I wrote to myself, do I do this? Do you do this? Do we sometimes play the game I want it how I want it and I want it now? People today, if, you, if you're a coffee fan, you're going to get this. People today want to, want to have a religion like they can order a Starbucks coffee. They want it exactly how they want it. No, I don't want 2%. I want skim milk. No, I don't want this size. I want this size. No, I don't want that flavor. I want this flavor. I don't want a frappe. I want a mocha. I want this. I want that. I don't want any cinnamon. I don't want any whipped cream. But I do want a cherry. I do want this. And I do want the double chocolate chip frappuccino. Skinny, please. That's how they want a customized religion today. They wanted it then. It's not a new concept. Jesus, I like the cool thing that you did with my dad. Thanks for healing him of a certain disease. But I'm not going to go as far to take you on this over here because this requires me to change. And if I can justify my actions and not have to change, then I'm cool with leaving that out. But thank you again for healing my dad. That's what these people are saying to him. You're a little bit much. We don't want... We like the tricks. Jesus, what you did on the lake, that was neat. What you did with the, with the, I mean, you healed people and you weren't even there. That, you know, 
And what was really cool, Jesus was with your friend Lazarus. That was neat. He was dead. And with the words, Lazarus come forth. Lazarus raised from the dead. By literal words. See, the storms don't matter to him. There's nothing of this earth that can contain him. We go on reading verse 4. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. <laughs> Jesus is back home. He's home. He's, he's metaphorically visiting the grandparents that he don't get to see very often and coming in the door and smelling the familiar smells of his town. And he's being rejected. And Jesus tells them, Oh, my. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown. Why? Because this right here, familiarity breeds contentment. You're, you're, you're just, ah. You become effortless. You become comfortable. Being content. Familiarity brings contentment. They were just fine the way they were. Jesus is not appreciated for who he is. The people of Nazareth could not appreciate Jesus for who he was because they identified with themselves so closely. Jesus, what you're saying is, I'm going to have to change, and I don't think so. Mm -mm. No. Cool thing with my dad. This, this is a little bit much. I'll choose to s just kind of skimp on that, but really, thanks for the tricks. Those were neat. You imagine? You imagine what he feels. He's human. He hits his hand with a hammer in the carpentry shop. It hurts. He physically can feel pain, emotionally can feel pain. He's hurting. He has to say to his hometown, a prophet is honored everywhere except where I come from. Hmm. It's like being at a job. I know this with my new job that I started in. And they had to teach me the new things. And I felt so out of sorts because I didn't know how to do that. And I said, hey, can you help me with this certain task? And the person that I asked was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll help you with this. You do this, do this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And I go, I'm sorry? <laughs> well, well, you do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and then you do this. Can we go slowly and in English, please? Okay? That's what I wanted to say. But I felt outside. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. No idea. You want to talk about a certain thing in our store? I am very fluent. Okay? Talk about something else? I'm like, eh, I'm still learning. <laughs> That's what Jesus was, was feeling. We're going to do this or that, Jesus, because we've always done this or that, Jesus, and we're going to do this or that, Jesus, until we die. Because... That's all we've done. Because you know what I'm talking about. This is a small town, Illinois. This is a small town anywhere. We're going to do what we've been doing because that's all we've done. And that's all we're going to do forever. God is seeking to raise up a church like Connection that's not okay with that. We're not going to do things like we've always been doing them. Because if we're more culturally relevant, God is going to give us more opportunity to impact lives. 
We have to see the correlation here between what Jesus says and what he's talking about himself and the church. If you keep doing what you've always done, Mike Davis, you'll keep getting what you've always got. If I have trouble hitting a curveball, and I always guess fastball, and I swing fast, I'm always going to miss it. Because it's slower than the fastball. If you always come to church with a poor attitude, you're not going to get anything out of it. When's the, when's the last time? I know, you're, I know what you're saying. Matt, bad days happen. Yep, sure do. Had plenty this week. <laughs> but when we put in, and we have the faith, when, when you get in that boat, and you say, you say God, I'm going to go to the other side with you. And you say that, and you have faith that God's going to take that from you, and you're going to go, the stuff that comes up, like in the middle of this week for me, God says, you know what? Watch this. Stop. Sometimes it's that clear to me. Sometimes I have problems that are so like the rain and the other stuff that was going on with the disciples, and I have to go through it for a little bit. And Jesus comes beside me and he picks me up. He said, you know what? You don't have to worry about the rain anymore. <laughs> but me in my codependent self will just, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. But man, I sure have to worry about this. And he's like, slow down. Stay in the boat with me. Learn and listen. Connection, you started out on the shore over there and you had the faith. You had the faith to meet weekly. And you had the faith to say, whatever it takes for us to be different, we're going to jump out of that shell of comfort and we're going to be relevant. And let me tell you something. I can tell you by name, people in this church that are so not the same as they were five years ago. I can give you the phone number to their family. I had a guy come into my store this week and he said, you know so-and-so? I said, yeah, man. He said, well, I used to party with them. And I said, when's the last time you talked to them? And they go, not for three or four years. They quit partying. I said, good. Because they understand. They understand that if you kept doing the same thing in their life, it was only going to breed more of that stuff. And they came to a point, and they said, I'm getting in the boat. I'm getting in the boat, God. I'm going to go. Now, there's going to be stuff that happens. But I'm going to go to the other side. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be that better guy. Hmm. In your message map, next blank. It says, when we are tuned in to ourselves on our familiarities, we cannot be used completely by God because he does not have all of us. You can't put one foot in the boat and keep one foot on the shore for very long. Somebody's getting wet. If you've ever had an incident with a boat and a dock, you understand what I'm talking about. Had a, had a, had a buddy that had a bass boat, and he said, hey, hold this thing on the dock. And we, I was already standing on the dock, and he jumped out. No rope attached to the dock. And I'm holding, now, this is a fiberglass Ranger bass boat. Extremely heavy. Okay? And I realized really quick that I needed my buddy, or I was going to get wet real fast. Because <laughs> the wind started pushing it away, and I said, man, I need your help. You can only keep one foot on shore and one foot in the boat for a very short amount of time. 
We go on to verse 5. It says, verse 5, and he says, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. One of the boldest statements by any one of the gospel writers is Mark 6, 5. It says, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. Mark puts a huge huge weight on if you believe, then. It's the, it's the if and then verses. If you do this, then. In no way, hear me this morning, in no way did Jesus, was Jesus not able to do that. Okay? He is not speaking literally here. Jesus has never lost any power. Never. Okay? He had the power, even on the cross. The scripture says he could have called just hordes of angels to come and take him off. He never lost it. And it mentions something that Jesus cannot do. One of the greatest emphasis in Mark is that Jesus performs his miracles in response to faith. Do not be fooled. He had full capability. But in their unbelief, he chose not to. Here's the question this morning. What in our lives might we have missed out on simply by not having the faith that God would take care of us? What have we missed out on? Oh, oh my. What have we missed out on by not being a part of the church, being a part of the connect group, helping this person, helping this community loving, helping the praise band, singing in the praise band? Verse 6. He was amazed at their unbelief. <laughs> you know, the look that, the, that the, the disciples talked about in the video, it says, where is your faith? And, the, and that one, the, one, of the, one of the disciples said, and that look. You know, men, we like to maybe tease and say, if our wife gives us that look, or if she gives me this look, or he gives me this look, I guarantee you it was anything like that look. Where's your faith? This is his home hometown. This is a big deal. These people know him. He knows them. Can you imagine disappointment in Jesus' heart? Can you imagine God's disappointment when we just continually and continually and continually choose to be separated out of that fire of connection? I don't need connect group this week because we had this going on. Things come up, I understand that. But make it a priority. Mary and I, very early in our marriage when we had, when we started wanting to have kids, and when we finally had Emma, we realized that when, five years ago, when I started at this church, this was priority. For those of you that don't know, I've only lived around Mount Vernon for three years. I drove from Robinson, Illinois for two years to come here on Sunday. That's two hours. An hour up to Effingham and an hour over. Two years. Why? Because God said so. He said, you get your feet in the boat and we're going. I said, God, this isn't comfortable. God, this is different. And it's the verse that rang out in my ears and my wife's ears. It says, I didn't call you to be normal. 
I didn't call you guys to be normal. I didn't call this church to be normal. I called this church and these people to affect. And these people got to see firsthand this Jesus that was going to affect their life. And they said, no thanks. Don't say, no thanks. I can tell you story after story about people that I've came in contact with in this church that God has changed their life 180 degrees simply by them joining the fire. Jumping in. Getting connected. Getting a connect group. Set up the stage. Playing the praise band. Come to practice for the praise band. Hey, I'm really comfortable, but I'll sing in the praise band. I'm familiar with that. That's, that's what I'm familiar with. That's what my examples come from. I know a lot of men. I've talked to these men about being addicted to substance, about alcohol, about tobacco, drugs. And I've watched God get in that boat and go, no more. With me in the boat, no more do you have to smoke. No more do you have to chew. No more do you have to just... Trust on your own ability. No more. Because these storms don't matter to God. They don't lean on their addictions. Because God is giving them victory over them. Why? Because they had the faith to get in the boat in the first place. They had faith that God would change them. Do you see the difference between these people and the people of Nazareth? When we choose to accept and believe that God has purpose in our lives, we live a more satisfying life. You want to know and talk to someone personally? You come up, talk to me, say, hey, I want to talk to somebody. I'm not going to let you know who that is. I'll talk to that person. If it's okay with them, I'll put you two in contact. And you can let them tell you how God has changed their life. Because they chose to get in the boat. On your message map, we're going to do something a little bit different. There's a whole bunch of blanks on there. Now comes time for the cell phones. You can get them out. All right. I don't care if you have a smartphone, a dumb phone, a flip phone, a camera phone, a non-camera phone, an iPad, Whatever. If you can set a reminder date on your phone, if you can set an alarm or a reminder, I want you to get your cell phone out. So, I want you to go into your calendar, wherever you have to go, and we're going to set some dates right now. If you don't have your cell phone with you, there's blanks right there. I want you to write them down. After we get out of church or in church, wherever, I want you to set these dates on your phone. We're going to talk about this week. <coughs> Monday and Tuesday of this week, the 8th and the 9th, I want you to set this one. It says, how is my commitment to God? And what I want you to do, so as you're, as you're doing that, on Monday and Tuesday, go ahead and do that, whatever that is, go ahead and do that, just listen to me talk. On Monday and Tuesday, we're going to focus on how is my commitment to God. On, Monday, on Sunday, Monday or Tuesday, if there's a connect group that you say, hey, you know what, I don't go to one, maybe I just want to go check one out. Come out! Come out. How's my commitment to God? Am I here in the fire where it's warm? Getting involved with people, staying warm, staying on fire, staying encouraged, being an encourager? Or am I over here 
like that piece of wood that we took out of the fire earlier. Everybody for the majority got that. I know it's kind of hard because I don't have a checklist of when you're done. So just look at me when you're done. Monday and Tuesday, how's my commitment to God? On Wednesday, Thursday, if you need this and I go too fast, I can get them to you after church. Wednesday, Thursday, how's my attitude? Are you going to work because, like this, gosh, gotta go to work today. Listen, I understand that there are days that you do not want to go to work. Believe me. There are days that I would rather say, you know what? I would like to, I don't know, do anything except work. I, w- I would rather, I don't know, I'd rather go bowling or go on a boat or go to the woods or do the, anything but work. Here's the thing about my job. When I go to work and I do my job, they do something extremely weird. When I go to work and I give my time and I do my job, at the end of that week or two weeks, what a, I get money. They give me money. Now, money leads to me being able to take care of my family, which leads me to take care of everything of our needs that God wants us to do, and we and are tied to the church, and we're able to give, and we're able to stay here. Because when I go to work, they give me money. See, when you go to work, now, some of you, if you walked into work tomorrow with that attitude, A, some people might pass out and fall over. B, they will ask you if you are on something. Because some of us have such a pessimistic attitude about going to work. I hate this job, I hate this job, I hate this job, I hate this job. Mike did a sermon a couple months ago about being content. When you wake up tomorrow morning or on, on, this, on this, uh, this Wednesday, Thursday morning, I want you to thank God for your job and, and ask him to be with your attitude that day. You know, some of you are not nodding your head, but you are getting what I'm saying. I get it. Because I've been there, and there, uh, there are some days that I'm like, oh. I mean, you get, a, you get a 35 or 40 degree day the first week of November in this part of the country when the bucks are chasing their girlfriends. I want to be in the woods. But I'm going to work. I talked with Mary about my schedule this week. Honestly, you can ask her after church. And I said, well, I work... I work 8.30 to 4 on Monday. I, mean, I, can, I can sneak out to the stand real quick. And it clicked in my head. No, you can't. Oh, why can't you go? You can do anything you want. The people of Nazareth would have said, ah, we can do that because that's always the way, way, way we've done it. We're going to do that forever. And I said, no, God, you've changed my mind about Monday nights. Monday nights, the first three weeks of the month, I go to Connect Group. It's not a time, because I cannot right now, before the time changes, I cannot go hunt. And come back, get cleaned up, and go to Connect Group in time. Time's too late. Can't. It, it, would, it would be like Mary and I saying, well, you know, we're in Robinson this morning. We don't want to drive down there. We have to, we have to understand that your attitude affects. Friday and Saturday, how's my heart? How... Is my heart. We talked about our, our, our Monday, Tuesday, our commitment. Our attitude on Wednesday, Thursday, and now we're going to get into something that's going to affect relationships that are intimately close with us. How did I love this week? How can I show love on Friday and Saturday? How about this? If you show commitment on Monday, Tuesday, 
If you, if you attempt this, and on Wednesday, Thursday, excuse me, you work on your attitude. I'm, this is not a weekly, hey, I'm going to get over this. And on Friday, Saturday, you intently work on your heart, caring, loving, be compassionate. You are going to come Sunday in a whole new light to church. It's going to be like the going to the job, hey, they give me money. Hey, I go to church. I get to see how God's going to move today. I, w- I was thrilled. Angela had no idea I was going to talk about, the, about, about coming to church expecting, and she, and she has you singing, Jesus loves me. It doesn't get better than that. Jesus loves me is the simplest form of John 3.16 I've ever seen. Jesus loves me. This I know. The verse starts out, for God so loved the world that he gave. Your heart is when you give. And when you give on Friday, Saturday, you are not to expect anything in return for what you do. Am I prepared, after Saturday, am I prepared to come back into connection on Sunday morning with a full and joyous heart? I know some of you are thinking, wow. You know, next week you're going to go back to leading worship, Matt, and wow, you're, trying to, you're trying to amp up worship for next week. Listen, man, worship should be exciting. Some of us are going to get to heaven and be like, whoa, what's the noise? Like, we're worshiping. <laughs> There's going to be a party. It, we're, worshiping, we're worshiping a God that can stand on a boat and go, you know what? This struggle, Matt, that you had in your life, not anymore. I got that. I got to talk about that this morning with a, with a, with a gentleman in our church. I said, you know what? I never struggle with that, but I struggle with this. And God has completely delivered me from that. Purposely attempting to be freed from that, God has delivered me from that anymore. I don't do that anymore. Every week is not great, but do we come to church because it's on our checklist? Do you go to your job because it's a checklist? No. Learn to go to your job because they give you money. Some of you during this week, you're going to walk into your job and go, man, you're, you're going to hear me going, because they give you money. <laughs> because they give you money. Because money allows us to do the things that we need to do, have to do. We have to pay our bill. Or do we... Every week is not great, but do we come to church because it's on our checklist or do we come to church to connect with God? If one of those nights during the week or afternoons you decided, hey, you know what? If you regularly attend Mike and Laura's and they're not going to have one this week, go to somewhere else. Hang out with other people. Come out and hang with us on Monday. Wherever you want to go. If you go out, get connected, and you stay in this fire, you watch. Next week you're not going to come in the same way you came in this morning. God seeks to, I want to listen to this one more time. God seeks to use us every day. As we go out this week to our jobs and schools, let others see our belief in God by the way we act. If some of you come into your job tomorrow, you're going to blow people's mind because 20 years in a row, I hate this job, I hate this job, punch in, do my job, punch out. Oh, thank goodness for that job's over. If you go to that job tomorrow and you say, I'm coming to work because they give me money, they're going to think that you are crazy. Crazy is not bad. Different. Be different. We're called to be different. 
The Bible says we're to be peculiar people. Peculiar, different, changed DNA. As a church, as a person, as a family, if you have got into the boat with both feet, and Jesus has said to you, we are going to the other side, and you're in, and you have the faith to believe that, the storms are taken care of. Well, Matt, this and this happened. This and this person died in my life. They were close. Listen, things happen. Jesus wept in John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He cried. One of his friends had died. Shortly after that, Jesus goes with his disciples, and they say, "Hey, let's go out into the middle of the lake, middle of the lake, to chill out, to hang out." Imagine they went swimming, just hung out in the middle of the lake. But on the way out there, a crowd followed Jesus and he said, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Jesus, we need you to teach us. We need to be healed. Was it convenient for Jesus to turn around? I imagine his disciples go, Come on, Jesus, not, not again. Just one time, can we go hang out without you healing somebody? Let's just go chill for a couple hours. Really, let's just go chill out. And the Bible said that Jesus turned around and yelled at the people. No. The Bible said that he got angry. No. The Bible said he stood up, he turned around, he saw the people, and he saw that they were like lost sheep, and he had compassion on them, and he turned around, and he began to teach them again. All the while, the teenager disciples going, Jesus was teaching them about storms that were going to come after he was gone. It's the whole thing. Maybe, maybe today, this week, and this month, you have a storm. Maybe it's raining. Maybe it's hailing. Maybe you've got a F5 tornado coming through your life right now. I want to tell you something. You put the faith in the right place. And I'm not saying God's just going to say, hey, tomorrow, psh, mm, all, all gone. But I'm telling you that the storm is very capable to be taken care of by our God. He's that big. Show people how you are by the actions you live this week. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity for us to come to Connection. God, we thank you for five years. Uh, I have no idea where the time has gone, Lord. So quick. But God, what you, what you have taken in five years and what you've changed, God, I pray that 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 years down the road, if you don't come back before then, God, that we just... Continue to not accept the normal. That we seek to be relevant, that we seek to encounter people where they are, and God, for us to be real. God, we love you. We thank you for being real with us. As Romans 5, 8 says, that while we were yet sinners, God, you sent your son to die for us. God, let us express this love in our actions this week and enjoy going to a job or school because it's where we learn to further our education later or God, whether it's to financially help us out. We love you, God. We thank you for what you do. In your name we pray. Amen.